Well, good morning, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney, and I serve as a lead pastor. So great to have you with us, those of you here in the room at our branding campus, and those of you joining us online here in West Central Florida, across the country, and always good to welcome the friends of Bell Shoals who are watching from around the world. And we've been tracking through the book of Ephesians over uh, the past several weeks. And we're going verse by verse through this amazing letter of the New Testament. And, and we've dealt with some weighty stuff. I, I mean, it's like an amazing thing to walk through this incredible book because uh, we're, we're in the deep end of the theological swimming pool. We've talked about the depth of God's grace uh, we, we've talked about just the miracle of salvation as, as Jesus brings us from death to life. We've talked about what it looks like to put off that old person, that person we were before salvation in Jesus and put on the new person. We've navigated some really weighty issues, which is why I'm so glad to tell you today our subject matter is is, is not nearly as heavy or as weighty. We're, we're kind of going to draw back, just take a little break from all of this, um, just, just gravity that we've, we've been wrestling with because uh, today we're going to talk about marriage. <laughs> pretty easy topic, right? <laughs> I mean, pretty straightforward. I mean, what, what, what could we possibly delve into while thinking about marriage that would be weighty or would have some form of gravity attached to it? And, and uh, what we're going to see is that, yeah, uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this incredible letter to the, to the Christians in Ephesus, he's, he's going to keep right on trucking by, by showing us what new life in Christ looks like in the, in the context of marriage and family. And, and you know, the truth is, Marriage is hard, or at least has hard moments. And, and I hope we can just kind of take off the pretext here and um, we're in church, and so that means we all have it together. No, the reality is every single marriage is gonna run up against different forms of tension and different difficulties over the time that a man or a woman are together. Listen, we're all in that boat. We're all in the same boat. Marriage is hard, or at least it has hard moments. Let me tell you why that's the case. Because marriage involves flawed people. Marriage is hard because it, it, it's, it's a union that involves flawed people. And flawed people produce flawed marriages. That's why it's hard. You know, that's actually true of anything in life. The reason life is hard is because people are involved in our lives. We are not the problem. They are the problem. And wherever people are involved, things are going to get messy at some point. And that's true of marriage. Marriage is hard because marriage involves flawed people. Flawed people produce flawed marriages. Flawed people in general produce flawed relationships. That's true in the home. That's true at work. That's true at school. That's true in our society. And that's why the apostle Paul has been talking to us about the importance of 
putting off the old man and putting on the new man. He's been talking to us about how the gospel applies to our everyday lives and how we should be walking in wisdom and walking and living in such a way that, that, that we are putting on some things that are unifying and we're putting off some things that bring division. That's true in the church. And now Paul is gonna show us how that's true in the home. But if you, if you missed last week or the last couple of weeks, let me just kind of catch you up because I wanna take you to, to the middle part of Ephesians 5 here and show you how Paul's setting the groundwork for what he's gonna say to us about marriage. Here, here's what he says leading up to the application to husbands and wives. He says to all of us, right? In the context of the church, in every relationship, Broken people lead to broken relationships. Flawed people lead to flawed relationships. So here's what he's saying in general. Pay attention, careful attention to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now here's the key, watch this, and submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now this is huge because everything that we're gonna look at over the next four weeks is hinging on this statement right here, that all of us are to submit to each other in the fear of Christ. Today, we're gonna to talk about what it looks like to be a husband who loves his wife in a manner consistent with God's love for us. Next week, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to be a wife who loves and respects her husband in, in the way that honors King Jesus and brings unity in the home. The week after, we're gonna to talk to children about what it looks like to relate to parents in a meaningful and God-honoring way. And then the week after that, we'll talk to parents about what it looks like to create a culture in the home that reflects the fatherly love of God. And so in, over the next four weeks, I just want you to see the context here that, that Paul's urging every single one of us to walk in wisdom. He's urging us to walk in unity. He's urging us to put off the old and to put on the new by submitting to each other in the fear of Christ. In fact, he doesn't even carry that verb, the verb to submit through the rest of chapter five, but it is brought over by the grammatical connections to it. And, and, and so, so, so what we discover is that this theme of submitting to each other is actually carried through the, the, the next set of application to the home. We're to submit to each other in the fear of Christ. And, and today I want us to start by thinking about what it looks like to be a husband who submits his life to Christ and shows mutual submission to the wife by loving her like Christ loves the church. Guys, let me encourage you just to take this down, all right? Type this in your phone. Here's what we're gonna see today, that a husband submits to his wife by loving her like Christ loves the church. 
We're gonna start with husbands today, even though if you, if you look at Ephesians 5, you'll see Paul actually starts by addressing wives. But here's why I'm starting with husbands, because in Paul's specific application to wives, he, he includes all of that in three verses, but he takes a lot more than that to talk to husbands. <laughs> I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to why. <laughs> And so I think it's significant that in this section of scripture, Paul's application here to husbands is much more robust than, than that to the wives. And so I want us to start by, by talking to husbands, those of us like me who are husbands in the room, or you plan to be a husband at some point in the future. God's will for you is marriage. You're not married yet, but you plan to be in the future. Listen, I just want us to think through what Paul says to us about what it looks like for us to submit to our wives. And very simply, it comes through loving her like Christ loves the church. And so guys, here, here's, here's what Paul's saying to us, that, that the way we show mutual submission to our wives is by taking the initiative to love her in the same way that Jesus loves us. It's a leadership rooted in love. And, and I wanna show you here today that this love has three significant qualities to it, okay? So take these down. First of all, I want you to see that a husband's love should be unconditional. All right, we've got the context, we get it. Marriage is hard, we get it. You know, it's, 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 it's about flawed people being, being in close proximity and so flawed people produce flawed marriages. And so, and so now enter the grace, the love, the kindness of God. Okay, now how do we walk forward in our marriages in such a way that Christ is glorified and his love is magnified. And guys, it starts with us by loving our wives as Jesus loves us. Paul highlights, first of all, this is a love that is unconditional. Look with me at verses 25 to 27. All right, here's how Paul begins. Notice the unconditional aspect of this. Husbands, love your wives. There it is. This is how we show mutual submission. We're to love our wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. And he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but to be holy and blameless. Notice Christ came to give his life for the church. The motivation, unconditional love. A love for us that is unmerited, a love for us that we don't deserve, a love for us, even while we were still in a state of rebellion, a love for us that is rooted in the unconditional, unmerited kindness of God himself. And so, and so this is an incredible statement. Now, I, I want you to understand how revolutionary this is. Because in the culture of Ephesus in the first century, like that of many cultures around the world, historically and even today, this was not the relational dynamic that a husband was expected to show the wife. In the culture of Ephesus, a wife was not viewed on the same level as the husband. She had no legal standing, she was expected to uh, serve the husband and to perpetuate his, his name. 
there there was a view of men and women in this culture that's radically different from what we see in in the scriptures. We know that men and women are both equally the same in the eyes of God, the significance the same. That's true for parents and children. All these relational dynamics that Paul's gonna flesh out for us over the next few weeks as it relates to family. We, we know, don't we, that as image bearers, every single one of us created the image of God, men and women, right? Parents and children, we're all in the image of God. There's no distinction when it comes to the essence or the significance of who we are. God loves all of us the same. We all have equal value. The husband's not valued more than the wife or the wife more than the husband. In God's economy, every single human being has equal significance in his eyes. We're all loved the same. And and so when this is applied to the home, notice Paul saying, guys, here's how we show mutual submission to our wives. We take the lead in loving her proactively in the same way that Jesus proactively showed love to us, what kind of love is that? It's an unconditional, unmerited love. Jesus loved us when we didn't deserve it. Jesus loved us despite how he might have felt about us in the moment. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us with a love that's motivated out of his own kindness toward us. This is an incredible, revolutionary concept in first century Ephesus, where husbands treated their marriages more like business transactions than covenantal relationships. It's more about what the wife could do to accentuate the husband and his family than it was to be in a mutual submission where each member of the marriage are working together to love each other and respect each other and glorify God together. This is a revolutionary concept. Hey, can I just bring it into the 21st century? This is a revolutionary concept today. The fact that a marriage would reflect the glory of God, the love of Christ is revolutionary today in most places around the world. This is not normal. This is, this is something that only the radical love of Jesus could generate in us, that we see our spouses as equals and men, that we take the lead in showing an unconditional love that mirrors the love that Jesus has for us. A love that's rooted not in how we feel. A love that's rooted not on what we perceive to be what she deserves, but love that is rooted in grace and kindness, ultimately rooted in the covenant into which we have entered with our spouse. It's a love that's demonstrated most acutely when our spouse doesn't deserve it. Because let's just be honest, it's easy to love those who are easy to love. The kind of love Paul's talking about that that husbands need to initiate is a love that's demonstrated when it's hard to love. That's the kind of love that Jesus has demonstrated to us. And marriage can be hard or at least have hard moments. That's why Groucho Marx famously quipped, marriage is a wonderful institution, but who wants to live in an institution? (laughs) 
right? The great theologian Rodney Dangerfield once said, my wife and I were happy for 20 years. Then we met. (laughs) I can tell you my story. My wife and I have been married over 23 years. And we would both tell you today, without a doubt, it has been the best 22 years of our lives. That first year was a killer. Marriage is hard. It's at least a covenant that has hard moments. Why? Because we're all flawed. We're imperfect. Flawed people produce flawed marriages. Broken people produce broken relationships. And so what does Paul say here about how husbands submit, show mutual submission to their their wives? How do we do this out of the fear of Christ? Well, our responsibility and privilege, guys, is to introduce and sustain a love in the context of our marriage that is truly unconditional. It's unmerited. It's not based in how we feel. It's not based on what we perceive she deserves. No, it's a love that is foundational for our marriage home. This is the kind of love that God has given to us. It's radical. May I just remind you about how radical this love is? Let me take you to Romans 5 here as we think about this love of Jesus. Here's what Paul says in, in, in Romans 5. For while we were still helpless, not when we got to a place we deserved it, not when we pulled ourselves together, not like when, when we finally came to a place where God could see us like, okay, as lovable. No, when we were helpless, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, maybe someone might dare to die, but God has proven his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand how radical this is? Because in our society, we see love as reciprocal. Yes, I'll love you if you love me. I'll be kind to you if you're kind to me. This is not the kind of love with which God has loved us. If he did love us in that way, he would not love us at all. He loves us while we're still ugly. He loves us while we're still sinners. He's loved us when we don't deserve it. He's loved us and helped us when we were helpless. And so Paul is saying, this is the radical love of God through Jesus to love a people that don't deserve to be loved. Regardless of how God feels about us in that moment, he's given his son for us. And that's why Paul says elsewhere, writing to Timothy, he says this, this saying is trustworthy. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But check this out. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he will not deny himself. Isn't that good news? Even when we lack faith, guess what? Our God is faithful. His love, unconditional which means, see the connection here, mutual submission. We submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Husbands, loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, unconditional, unmerited, not rooted in how you feel in the moment, not rooted in what she deserves or doesn't deserve. A love that springs forth from the covenant into which you entered the day of your wedding. This is huge. It's a love that's shown in the small things. It's a love that's shown in the big things. Now, I've just learned this 
learned this the hard way over the years. You know, I've just learned there, there are times I, I need to show unconditional love to my wife. I have an amazing wife. She's, uh, she's uh, great at so many things. And, and um, to love her has been easy for the most part, once we got out of that first year anyway. <laughs> but there are always things I know in, in stressful moments or in moments we don't get along or agree where, where you know, I'm, I'm mindful that, you know, I've just, it's unconditional, unconditional, unconditional. It's so hard. It's so unnatural because again, we so often think of love as reciprocal, not unconditional, but I try to love her. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, you know, if I trying to be loving, trying to be kind, want, want, want to invest in her and do what she likes to do. And so, you know, occasionally she'll want to go shopping. And guys, I know you're with me in this. Like, like, that's just nails on a chalkboard and your wife says, hey, honey, let's go to the mall, right? Think, all right, I gotta love her. Pastor said, I gotta love her. So, so listen, ladies, here's the actual truth. We don't like the mall, but we can endure the mall because, because the mall has like that little pretzel place where you can get some pretzels and nacho cheese. And so, you know, we can survive it, right? The mall has Starbucks, right? The mall sometimes, if you hit a home run, has a Dick's Sporting Good attached to it, right? And so, hey, honey, I just got to use the restroom. By that, I mean, I got to get some pretzels, check out the golf equipment, and then, uh, and, and then I'll meet you in the car. And so that, that's kind of, at least, at least the mall, department stores have the man seating outside the waiting room. At least you can kick back, try to catch a nap. You can lament with, all the other men who are trapped there and in prison there as well, right? I'm not talking about that kind of love. I remember one time my wife said, let's go shopping. And y'all, I took her to Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> now that is the unconditional love of Jesus. <laughs> Unmerited undeserved, have zero interest. I don't remember why we went to Joanne Fabrics. I don't know how I ended up in that place other than just trying to love her. It's what she wanted to do. She was excited about something. She was excited about fabric. I'm not excited about fabric. I've never been excited about fabric. I'm never gonna be excited about fabric. But there I am in Joanne Fabrics and I walk into Joanne Fabrics. I'm the only man in the store. All these lady workers are coming up to me like I'm, like I'm a pet on a leash. Oh, look at you, look at this. Oh, how sweet you're here with your wife. Oh, how sweet. I'm like, do you have any seating for, oh no, we don't do that here. And I'm walking around the store looking at fabric. Honey, what do you think of this? Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, beautiful, great. Go to the next aisle. What about this one? Oh, even better. Oh, you like this one better than the other one? I kind of like this one better. No, 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 this is way better. An hour and a half in Joanne Fabrics. I will never get back. But I love my wife. I'm in Joanne Fabrics. And after all that time, 90 minutes in Joanne Fabrics, we leave without buying anything because that's what you do when you go shopping with your wife. You look and you look and you look and you leave with nothing. Ladies, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Walk in wisdom. Here's how it should work. You know what you want. You get in, you get out. You brag to all your friends about how fast the transaction took place. Over, done. That's how it works, right, guys? I don't need to shop it. I know what I want. Okay, when I go to Dick's Sporting Goods, I know the golf club I want. I know how much it costs. I know how I'm going to spend it to you so that you don't know how much it costs. I know all this stuff when I walk in the store. I'm in, I'm out. Bam, let's go. Paul says, love your wife. 
like Christ loves the church, unconditional. Some of y'all need to hit up Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> That's a small thing. How can I love my wife? How, how, can I, um, how can I share life with her to where I'm communicating that it's not all about me and my likes and preferences, but can I, can I give you some big things? Showing forgiveness when it's hard. Initiating reconciliation by apologizing without saying, I'm sorry if, you ever done that? Well, I'm sorry if you took it that way. Uh, well, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. That's gonna land you right back on the couch, boys. That's not an apology, right? That's not how Jesus treats us. And so listen, there are small things, there are big things. I, I just want you to have a sense for how radical this is. What does he say? Love your wife, mutual submission. Here's how that works for us, men. Love our wives as Christ loved us. How does Christ love us? Unconditionally. It's not about a reciprocal relationship. It's about an unconditional love. Unmerited, undeserved, regardless of how I feel, I'm gonna take the lead to love, to show Christ-like unconditional love by seeing my wife as equally as significant in the marriage as I am. That is huge. So Paul starts out, here's how we submit to our wives, right? We love her as Christ loves the church. It's unconditional. Secondly, make a note of this, it's sacrificial. A husband's love should be sacrificial. It's not rooted in how we feel. It's not rooted in um, how good or bad she's feeling or, 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 or what she said or done. No, no, we, we, we're gonna work through conflict. We're gonna show forgiveness where it's required. We're gonna own things when we need to own them. We're gonna, we're gonna initiate reconciliation. We're gonna show love and small things and big things. It's love. It's unconditional love, but it's also a sacrificial love. It's a love. Here's how Paul characterized it. I love it. That, that, that's simply reflective of how we would love ourselves. Hey, let, me, let me tell you what he says here. Notice this in Ephesians 5. He says, in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, right? So here's what he says. No one's ever hated his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. I love this. Listen, whenever our bodies have a need, we immediately do all that is required to meet that need. When your body is tired, you rest. When your body is hungry, you eat. When your body is hurt, you do, do what's required to heal. Whenever you have an immediate need, you do everything you have to do to meet the need. In the same way, Paul is saying, guys, here's how we show mutual submission. We love with an unconditional love rooted on what we have entered into with our merits, not how we feel, and we show ongoing sacrifice. We love our wives with the same veracity, the same urgency that we love our own bodies. If she's hurt, we look to bring healing. If she's tired, we look to bring strength. If she's weak, we look to be strong. We, we treat her like we would treat ourselves. Because here's the thing, we all naturally take care of number one, don't we? We naturally take care of number one. When there's a need, we do what we have to do to meet the need. We naturally do that. You don't have to be taught or trained to do that. 
I remember when I was in college, I had all four of my wisdom teeth taken out at the same time. And after I had that procedure done, like many of you have had through the years, I'll never forget, I was at home and, and um, I, was, I was laid up in bed and you know, had the meds and you know, I'm trying to work through the first few days of, of that. And, and I'll never forget, my mom actually gave me a bell. And she said, anything you need, sweetheart, just ring that bell. I was like an ice cream truck. Bring, <laughs> bring, bring. You know, that's just, hey, that's awesome. You know, hey, whatever you need. Just, I couldn't talk. I, you know, bring. Brought that bell into my marriage. <laughs> Didn't get the same result. <laughs> bring. Mm. Ain't nobody coming. <laughs> right? It, it, in a sense, we all have that bell. When there's a need, we're going to take care of it if it's us. When there's a need, we're going to ring the bell. And, and, and Paul's simply saying, here's how, here's how we show mutual submission. We love our wives unconditionally, not based on how we feel, she feels, what she's done. I've done. No, I'm going to love her with the covenantal love that Jesus loves me and I'm gonna sacrifice for, I'm gonna serve her with the same urgency and veracity that I serve myself. There's a need, I run to it. There's a concern, I run to it. There's an issue, I address it. The burden of that leadership falls to me. And, and if you look at Jesus, just listen to me very, very carefully. When you look at the life of Jesus, and this is gonna be important for us next week, thinking about the wife, okay, but... I just want you to see, guys, when you look to the leadership model of Jesus, it's a leadership that is rooted in service. Isn't it amazing that Jesus never forced anyone to do anything? Jesus never looked down his nose at anyone. Jesus never bossed anyone around. He never abused his power, never bullied anyone. His leadership was rooted in service. In fact, here's what he said about his own life and ministry. Check this out in Mark 10. He said, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. And this servant leadership is what Paul's leaning into when it comes to how we show mutual submission men to our wives. We love her. We take the lead in loving her, not reciprocally, unconditionally and sacrificially. We serve and give of ourselves with the same urgency, veracity that we would serve our own bodies. And then finally, check this out. We, we love her unconditionally, sacrificially. And then finally, I want you to see, we love her faithfully. It's, it's a love characterized by faithfulness. A love that's unconditional, a love that's sacrificial, and a love that is faithful. Let me, let me show you the last section here. As Paul says this in Ephesians 5, he says, for this reason. So check this out. Unconditional love, sacrificial love, faithful love. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, join to his wife. This is serious. This is God's design. We're joined to our wives. We enter into a covenantal relationship. It's not a contract. It's not just some commitment. It's not something born out of convenience. This is a covenant. 
And we're joined together so that the two become one. And then Paul says, this, this whole mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now in the New Testament, this word mystery does not, does not mean mystery the way you and I think of it. It's not like, oh yeah, I don't know what that means. No, 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 no. In the Old Testament, they weren't quite sure what marriage was pointing to. But now in the New Testament, after the life and ministry of Jesus, we see with clarity what it is all about and what is marriage ultimately all about. Well, it's a mystery in the sense that before Christ, we couldn't see it with clarity, but after Christ, now we see it and marriage is all about Christ and the church. Literally, some of you are not gonna get this reference, so you'll have, to, you'll have to go on Wikipedia, okay? But it's to be, your marriage, guys, with your spouse is to be a carbon copy a carbon copy of Christ's love for the church. You say, what is my marriage ultimately about? Not your happiness. Your marriage is ultimately about bringing honor and glory to King Jesus because your marriage is ultimately designed to reflect and to mirror what he's done for us. And our wives should see and sense that. This is the burden. This is not easy. I'm not trying to make it sound easy. I've made so many mistakes. But listen, here's the good news. God has given us a prescription. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's covenant. Like, right, this is, God, God gave this to us. It's awesome. And so who knows more about it than God? Nobody. Listen to what he's saying, guys. He's saying mutual submission. Our wives are equal. There's no, no distinction when it comes to significance, value, worth, right? But, but here's how we carry out our role in the relationship, the covenantal relationship, so that God is glorified. We love our wives. We take the lead in loving them unconditionally, sacrificially, and faithfully. We leave and cleave. We we come together with our wives and, and, and we communicate a love that eliminates insecurity in our spouses. Just like what Jesus has done for us. Well, let me show you Deuteronomy 31.6. Look at it. Look how Jesus has eliminated insecurity in us. Be strong and courageous and don't be terrified or afraid for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. Look at this. He will never leave you or abandon you. This is the promise we have from King Jesus that every single son and daughter of the King, listen to me, will never be abandoned by their Savior. We are his and we are his for all eternity. Even though we fail, he does not. Even though we are faithless, he is faithful. He's never gonna leave or forsake us. No matter what you do, you will never outrun or escape the love of God. And this is what Paul says to us, men, that in the way we love our wives, it's not rooted in how we feel. It's not rooted in how she feels. It's not rooted in what I've done. It's not rooted in what she's done. It's rooted in the covenant into which we enter. We're loving our wives unconditionally. We're loving them sacrificially so as to give and to serve and to sacrifice. And we love them faithfully. Here's how you do that, man. Listen to me. You remove insecurity from your relationship. And one of the greatest gifts you can give your wife is to eliminate any insecurity that may exist in her heart. Again, you do this in small things, you do it in big things. 
I learned it years ago, small things I can do to eliminate insecurity in my wife. I'll never forget early in our marriage, I'd leave the house, be at work early. It's dark. I'm like crawling around my house like a pastor ninja. Not trying to wake her up. I'm trying to get in and out of the bathroom quickly. I'm leaving the house. I'm opening up the door. I'm getting in the car. I'm out. Awesome. I'm thinking I'm loving her and serving her. 9.30, I get a text. Why did you leave without saying goodbye? Anybody ever got that text message? Because you were asleep. Here's how you love us, ladies, when we're sleeping. Let us sleep. We know you lie. We're good. I learned, all right. Have you ever got this one? Why didn't you tell me you loved me before you left this morning? Because I told you that when we got married. Why? I mean, nothing's changed, right? Nothing's changed, right? You ever got this one? Why didn't you give me a kiss before you left? Because you got stinky breath, okay? I, I already got ready. You're still laying there. Ah, I got drunk. Like, I don't want none of that early in the morning. Like, is that a real question? <laughs> I've learned, I've learned what's one way I can eliminate insecurity. Just what's one way I can serve? What's, hey, I love you. See you. Bye. Love you. Give you a kiss. <laughs> All right. Bye. Right? How about this one? This ever happened to you guys? You ever do this? I mean, like you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, I'm going to make it ever. Pastor said, God said, okay, I right, hear. Honey, I just want you to know you're a great wife. Be prepared because you know what's coming next? Why? <laughs> I've done this, honey, you, I, listen, you are so beautiful. Oh, why do you think that? I don't know, because you're smoking hot. Do I need another reason? I don't know. Ladies, stop doing this to us. We're doing the best we can. That's why Paul gave us like a hundred verses here and you got three. All right, cut us some slack. Yeah, that ever happened to you? Honey, you're so beautiful. Why? Uh, you're running to get that Valentine's Day card. Maybe that's got something in there I can recite. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's in little things. I mean, it's, it is. It's just, it's saying goodbye in the morning. It's telling her you love her. It's telling her she's beautiful. It's actually bringing some specificity to that, something that caught your eye, affirming her as a mother or a grandmother. You know, it's just, it's just those little things. Let me, let me give you some other things. Some of these are big things. Just examples that I've learned the hard way. A random text message throughout the day in the busyness of your day to let your wife know you're thinking of her. Initiating a date night. Maybe it's been a while. Here's a big one. Fighting against sin and temptation. For your wife to know that although you're not perfect, I'm sure she doesn't expect you to be perfect, you're fighting against the lust, the uh, temptation, the pride that's in our world that we are around every day. You're just, you're fighting. You're, you're fighting to be pure. You're fighting for her to be the only woman you look at. You're fighting sin and temptation. That's a means of security to your wife. Being present, those of you with, with children in the home, especially young children, being present and helpful with the kids. I mean, we're all tired when we get home. but being there, being active, being supportive, being helpful. How about leaving a handwritten note, surprising her with a random gift? Listen, guys, the bottom line is for real. How, how do we have a love that's faithful? It's, it's a love that, that eliminates insecurity, a love that communicates 
I'll never leave you or forsake you. A love commensurate with leaving and cleaving. And, and there are a lot of ways we can do it. It's just about being thoughtful. I'll give you a classic example of this I learned early in my marriage. My wife and I came into our marriage. I mean, we had nothing but love. Literally, we're living on love, okay? Like, so I know so many of you. And, and uh, we had our wedding registry. And on that wedding registry was like all essentials. Okay, I see some wedding registries today. It's like, yes, a 75-foot yacht would be good for us. You know what I mean? Like, there ain't nothing like that on our wedding registry. I mean, it was just like we had nothing. And I'll never forget, like, we're opening up our gifts. And... Um, there was a family that gave us this little box and we opened up the box and an and, and absolute true story. In this box was like a little hand-stitched pillow about this big with a heart in it. And it came with a note and the note said, hide this from one another so that every time you find it, it's a reminder about how much you love one another. <laughs> Seriously, we need silverware. I'll never forget, and if this family's watching, listen, I, I was not a big fan of this. <laughs> Literally, we got nothing. You're giving me a little pillow, I can't even put my head on it. I don't care about this, right? Of course, my wife had the same reaction some of y'all did. Those of you who are like, oh, I know who you are, you're wives, okay? That's it. Ain't, no, ain't no husband sitting there, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Actually, it's a great idea. I went along with it. I, didn't, I mean, you know, my wife thought it was the greatest thing. I mean, that was like her favorite wedding gift, right? I mean, we're eating with our hands, but we got this pillow. It was all, I mean, you know, that's okay. All right, let's do it. Hey, I'm all in. I mean, I'm, I'm in now. I mean, we tied the knot. Let's do it. And, and so sure enough, I hide that pillow, hid it in her drawer where her toothbrush is. She finds it. <gasps> Hallelujah. I mean, the angel's coming down. I mean, she loved it. I'm like, wow. She'd hide it in my car. I'd open up the door and keep going like, man, 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 right? I'd get out of the back seat when I got home that night and I'd hide it under a pillow. She finds it that night. That was a good night. She loved that pillow, man. I played the game, hit it back and forth. You know what that taught me? And I'll tell you, that couple's genius. It was the best wedding gift we got. Taught me that thoughtfulness is the key to romance and thoughtfulness is the key to eliminating insecurity. We eventually hid that pillow so well we lost it. <laughs> and so here's what I've done. Absolutely, I've, I've counseled a lot of couples over the years. My wife and I love that. We have a passion for this. And, and, and this is the absolute truth. I, I've had several men I've worked with who've come to me and said, hey, listen, you got any ideas for Valentine's Day? Like, I mean, I've done roses and I've done all this. I don't know what to do. I've been married X amount of years. I don't know what to do. Like, what do you think? Do you have any ideas? As a matter of fact, I do. Run down to Walgreens or Walmart or somewhere and get a $5 teddy bear and wrap it up and give it to your wife with a handwritten note from you that says, I'm going to hide this so that every time you find it, it's a reminder about how much I love you. Guys, look at me like I got four heads. Just trust me. Every single person I've ever given that advice to has come back and said, you are the man. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wasn't my idea. But it's amazing. And so I'll be heading to Walgreens right after service here. 
Look to see some of you guys there. $5 teddy bear, handwritten note. You're welcome. We're all gonna have to go to the Walgreens that the first service didn't go to because there was a mad rush there after the first service. What, what is eliminating insecurity all about? Faithful love. Our wives knowing we're fighting sin, our wives knowing we're involved with the kids, our wives knowing we have their back, our wives knowing we love them no matter what, our wives know them, we are for them, and we're gonna be faithful to the covenant we'd entered into with them no matter what. Thoughtfulness, initiative, that leads to an exclusive love. And, and Paul just says, guys, we're, we're submitting to each other to each other in the fear of Christ. We're coming together. The old man we're putting off. We're putting on the new. Here's what this looks like in the home. First of all, we're starting with husbands. We, we take the lead in loving unconditionally, in loving sacrificial, fashionably, uh, uh, loving exclusively, faithfully. And, and in that way, what do we do? We, we give a glimpse of this mystery that is all about Christ's love for the church. And we discover afresh and anew what it means to have a meaningful marriage. It's not easy, but it's possible. Henry Ford was once asked about the key to marital bliss on his 50th wedding anniversary. You know what he said? It's the same as in the automobile business. You have to stick to one model. A love that's unconditional, not reciprocal. A love that's sacrificial, not selfish. A love that is faithful, secure, rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, but it's possible because the author of marriage has given us a prescription to how to have a meaningful one. 